Procter and Gamble was known for the as, uh, the creme de la creme of training and yeah. development. A lot of those managers brought that over to Beecham. So I was fortunate. I had mm-hmm. a structure. Um, we had ten step call procedure, four part presentation. We were trained on how to handle objections, yeah. and that really kicked off my career and and my love of training and development. My understanding, not only my love for it, but my understanding of its importance in people's success. So welcome to the Meaningful Jobs Podcast Season 2. I'm your host, Adrian, and today I'm extremely honored to welcome Steve Gavitorita to our podcast. How are you, Steve? I'm well, yourself? Very good, thank you. So I believe good. you were involved in sales for a long time before you then set up your own um, training and speaking consultancy um, You know, two, two decades ago already. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about you know your whole career briefly? Yeah, don't remind me how old I am. Holy smoke. <laughs> well, Time's you, going fast. You, you might you might have set up your career firm really early in your career, though. Yeah, I was fortunate. I actually went to work two weeks after college graduation. In hindsight, I'm not so sure. You know, it probably would have been good to take a little uh, extra time. But the company I was working for that recruited me needed, needed me pretty quickly and I was ready to go. I was living at my parents' house and my father was right. you know, pushing me out the door after four years <laughs> of college. But my first job out of uh, college was with within what's called the consumer packaged goods industry. Right. I worked for a company at the time, it was called Beecham Products. They were actually UK based, but they had a presence in the United States. Yeah. And one of the products that uh, we manufactured was Aquafresh toothpaste. So basically, um, I started a job uh, in what was called a retail territory, and mm. I would go to grocery stores and sell our our products beyond right. Aquafresh. There were several others too, but we I would sell our products, and right. that's where I first learned about you know selling skills, communication mm. skills, handling objections, and things of that nature. Um, I was fortunate because Beecham products, a lot of their upper upper level management were former Procter and Gamble employees. Right. And right. in the day, Procter and Gamble was known for the uh, the creme de la creme of training and yeah. development. A lot of those managers brought that over to Beecham. So I was fortunate. I had mm-hmm. a structure. Um, we had 10 step call procedure, four part presentation. We were trained on how to handle objections. Yeah. And that really kicked off my career and and my love of training and development, my understanding, not only my love for it, but my understanding of its importance in people's success. And from that job, it exploded uh, into other jobs, you know, up the corporate ladder within Beecham products and other consumer packaged goods companies for about 20, 21 years. Hmm. Well, so um, you must be really skilled at what you do. And I guess, you know, with your sales skills, you then started your own company um, could you tell us a little bit, you know, about the transition um, you had? Like, was it difficult? Yeah, well, yes and no, because it didn't mm-hmm. initially happen right away. Um, I had, like I said, 20, 21 years in corporate America. 18 of those were very good. Right. The last three, I, w- I was really wanting to leave and start my own business, a consulting business. 
um, because several things, well, the prime one was my love for coaching and development, coaching, yeah. training, development. Um, as I said earlier, I started off with Beecham products and worked with several companies where training was key. But mm -hmm. as I progressed through corporate America, a mm -hmm. lot of the cons external consultants that our comp my companies would bring in, um, one, to train, to train us or teach us leadership skills or selling yep. skills, they didn't understand our business and the skills weren't relevant. Right. And I started thinking to myself, boy, I, I mean, wonder how much that guy or gal's making. I can make yeah. more money and do make that money and do a heck of a better job because the key to good training development is understanding who you're working for, their needs, mm -hmm. and building relevant training development programs to meet those respective needs. Mm -hmm. That's when training sticks. Right. If it right. doesn't, it doesn't resonate. If you don't understand our business, we're going to tune out. We're not going to see how these skills are going to connect to, you know, uh, being mm -hmm. successful in the given job. So um, mm -hmm. with that said, I had uh, probably 18, 17 years, maybe even earlier that had a um, deep love of training development. And I, I my right. mentor who hired me at Beecham Products um, started his own consulting company. I kind of wanted to follow his path uh, mm. in leaving corporate America. And I did actually, I left cold Turkey. Understood. You know, based on my own experience, I guess the most difficult part of starting a business is, you know, finding the clients because that's where your you know, re revenue comes from, you know, no matter how good you are, no doubt. You to find that, find those clients who trust, um, you know, what you're delivering. So no doubt. would you say that's one of the most difficult bits of, you know, starting a business based on your own experience as well? No doubt. Um, uh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, you know, the top three things, any, what I tell my customers and it's for my business too, the three most important things for any business is number one, driving top line sales or cash flow. Mm -hmm. Without cash flow, you can't pay bills. You can't right. investment right. spend. That's where right. to your point, those new customers come in. Number two is being profitable. You want to make money, but you want to keep, you know, a, a decent amount of that. And then thirdly is what's your growth objective? So those are the three objectives that I set off to focus on. And so that cash flow is huge. I had a couple things going for me. One, I was in corporate America for 21 years. So I had good savings to fall back on, number one. Right. Right. Number two, I started immediately hitting my uh, contacts within consumer package goods. That's where I had the quickest, the most skills. I knew how to connect the dots. I knew the needs. So I started immediately hitting um, other contacts, friends of mine, former employees, former employers in other companies. And that's where I started reaching out, number one. Number two, I did a lot of upfront hired gun work. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is I built relationships with uh, several consulting firms who did training and development, but they were bigger than me, but they needed someone to come in and actually deliver the training. Mm -hmm. So I was able to build some relationships there and start doing a lot of training uh, with other companies, mm -hmm. honing, honing my skills, making some right. revenue until I got a name for myself. One of which was a, a, a company out of the UK called Glenn Denning. So right. Um, right. that's how I kicked in and was able to get that revenue, get a name for myself. And right. after you get a name for yourself, you know, if you're good enough and, and my business is 90% word of mouth. So right. once you get a name for yourself, once you're getting that revenue, once you get a reputation, you know, hopefully people, you know, make recommendations word of mm -hmm. mouth and, and things mm -hmm. of that nature. So that's kind of how it kicked off initially for me. I see. So 
Um, yeah, I really agree about the part where you said your know, word of mouth. I think you know you can only do so much marketing or so much initial sales. You 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 really need to build that you know reputation to have you know a long term business. Um, you know, based on your experience, um, how how do you find first of all meaning in work as like a sales representative because sales is notorious. For being one of the for being one of the industries that has the highest turnover, so you know how, how do you have how do you find meaning in in the work you do and you know keep yourself going? You know, I I'll speak personally, um, right. because each person's different, but I have to feel comfortable and really believe in what I'm what I what I'm selling, yeah. Because if if I don't believe in it, the passion is not there. So I've been fortunate, again, 90% of my time in corporate America, I was passionate about what I was selling. I believed it was a great product. I believed the product and service would actually help someone. I love helping people. I love solving problems. I like helping my customers succeed. And -hmm. it makes me feel like I've succeeded. So the number one thing, I think you need to find passion um, in what you're selling. If you don't believe in it, you're not going to be able to a good salesman. Towards the end of my career, that's what happened to me. I didn't care. I didn't feel passion for what I was selling because I actually wanted to go sell my capabilities right. in, in a training business. So you have to have that passion. You have to believe in what you're selling. You have to want to do that. That'll help you overcome objections. If you don't feel passionate about what you're selling, when a customer says no, mm. you're going to fold because you don't right. care. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I think you said, um, you know, having this passion is really important um but then you know it sort of you know curtails a little bit after you know 20 years um would you say it's because you you wanted to start your own business or was it because it's too much of a grind you think oh no doubt i wanted to start my business i was passionate about i had played Mm -hmm. around i actually left corporate america probably for about three months i chickened out yeah. And went back in, you know, so okay. um, I didn't have the guts to do it. You know, leaving a corporate job when you have a base, nice yeah. base salary, you have a company car, you have a 401k, your insurance yeah. is paid for. It's hard. It's it's uncomfortable. Well, that, that's why leave. I get mad when sometimes when people brand, um, you know, having a sales job as starting a business because it's not the same when you don't have a base salary. Oh, it's no doubt about it. But the key is this. I make more money on an hourly basis by far mm. than I ever did in corporate America. And I was getting paid well in corporate America. Right. But, you know, it's it's uncomfortable and not have that steady revenue coming. And even to this day, you know, since COVID, things have been a little out of sorts in, in, in training development. Companies yep. aren't investing as much as they used to. Um, they don't have the money to do it. They don't see the need to do it. So, you know, even after owning my business 20 years, it's still uncomfortable to some extent with the staggered cash flow. It might be like right. this month, but you know, you're going to get it back in fourth quarter, but right. it's still something to get used to that, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. You have yeah. to really love what you do. There's nothing else I want to do on earth than train and develop and right. help people with my business. And again, that passion mm-hmm. drives through any fears anymore. So. Can can you tell us, you know, more about um, how you think you help people based on your sales experience? Because I think that's, you know, a recurring theme that you brought up. Yeah, you know, any, the reason I'm so passionate about uh, uh, training development is multiple reasons, but the prime one is 
I originally struggled when I was working with Beecham. Um, yeah. I had a bad manager who wasn't training me properly. And yeah. after about eight months, I was dejected. I had no, no, um, no confidence. I wanted to quit. I wanted to go work from someone else. And right. I had a meeting with the gentleman I told you was my mentor, which was a gutsy move because he was a high level guy. And I said to him, right. I'm not happy. I'm, I feel terrible. Can you help me get another job? I want to leave this Beecham, but you know, um, I, 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 you know, I don't know what to do. So he goes, I'll see, I'll, I'll help you. Don't worry about it. Unbeknownst to me, he went to my manager and right. said, what another person with Steve? We hired him. We know he can do the job. Get him some damn training. Right. So I had a new manager over me who was fantastic at training development and got me up and running in about three months. And my career right. exploded from there. So right. my passion behind this is the realization, what would have happened in my life mm -hmm. if that didn't happen? And I left, I went to another company and that maybe my same thing happened. I didn't have any confidence or I failed again, or I didn't you know, it could have been a snowball in the negative direction. Instead, it right. was a snowball in a positive direction because I was trained properly. I, you know, I, I had the skills for success. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. In I published a book. I'm not sure if you know this. It's called In Defense of Adversity, Turning Your Toughest Challenges into Your Greatest Success. Mm -hmm. In that book, I talk about two important parts of our brain. Um, the limbic system, which is known as our emotional brain, mm -hmm. when we are, when we, it's what we're born with, it does not grow, transform, or evolve. When we are functioning in our limbic system, part of our brain, our response to like, especially adverse situations is going to be freeze, fight, or flight, emotional. It's not, it's not helpful. The right. other part of our brain is called the cortex. That's our rational brain. That's a reason, logic, lie that the cortex does grow, transform, and evolve through time, right. through education, and through training and development. Mm -hmm. So I look at training and development as building someone's cortex muscle for success. Mm -hmm. So as an example, I work with sales personnel who have never ha ha handled objections before. Do you know what an objection is yeah. for your listeners? That's a, basically a customer saying no, or they have a question, they're not agreeing to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. If a salesperson is not trained properly in how to handle an object customer objection, they may start panicking, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll get angry and push back, they'll get defensive, or they'll mm -hmm. shut down and clam up. That's because now they're functioning in the limbic part of their brain, right. because they don't have skills for success in handling objection. Through teaching people the, a three-step process that I teach on how to handle objections, we're mm. building people's cortex muscle for success. So when an objection comes, mm -hmm. they know what to do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So so it's not just about you're not trained well. There's brain science behind not being trained properly mm. for success in given jobs. That's why I'm so passionate about this. That's why I get so frustrated when companies don't embrace training or they don't see the value in it because there's a direct correlation between someone's success and the training mm -hmm. de development they have. Look at any sport, for God's sake, teams practice, they scrimmage, they, you know, they, they learn skills every, every year just within a new season. Why don't we do that in business? Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense. So there's a lot of passion behind that as well, too. Well, I hope I that answered your question. 
I went long-winded. So <laughs> it's completely yes. fine. I love passionate answers. Um, I, I, I was about to ask a question about, you know, um, in response to the part where you said that a lot of companies don't embrace training enough, because I think I read somewhere where there's a statistic about um, the effectiveness of training. And it seems that a lot of uh, people being trained um, don't find training that effective. So, you know, based on your perspective, you know, is there any particular reason behind this, you think? Well, I think, you know, as I talk, three most important overarching objectives of any companies, top line sales, cash flow, profitability, and growth. You know, they look at sales as the easiest thing to cut when cash flow is not happening or when business isn't positive, or they're not making the connection between how training helped enhance cash flow or yeah. top line sales or profitability. That's the, those are the dots I try to connect with my customers. It's not just, I'm going to deliver a sales workshop today. What I'm going to do is deliver a program that's going to help your sales team drive your top line sales profitability and market share. That's the connection right. they have to make because they don't see that. They see it as an investment spend and they're they're not connecting the dots between that and the overall importance of growing their business. Another part of that is tying into the cost associated with unhappy employees or frustrated employees because there's a heavy cost associated with that. Yeah. Uh, most companies don't even know the cost associated with a high turnover rate, mm -hmm. you know, not hiring the right people or not training the people properly. It that hits the bottom line. That's your profit. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of companies aren't connecting the dots between the importance of how training and development help them accomplish their objectives mm -hmm. and meet their, uh, you know, meet their strategic objectives as well too, if that makes sense. So, you know, um, just before, you know, we end uh, the interview, I just want to ask, about um you know how you would advise people who are at the moment struggling in their careers like what kind of advice would you would you give them to help them um you know in their decision making process do you think yeah try to seek out what their passion is find out what they're passionate about i think something i use in my business i use an array of behavioral personality or eq based assessments to help people understand you know, their, their passions, their skills, their strengths, potential weaknesses, and then in turn, try to align their career pathing towards skills that best meet their needs. Right. So hypothetically, let's say I'm a highly introverted person. No, let's go the flip side. Let's mm -hmm. say I'm a very gregarious person. I'm, I'm, a, I'm right. highly competitive. I'm aggressive. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a type A personality, yet I'm stuck in a role where I'm working behind a desk Right. No people interaction. That could be very frustrating for me because I need that people interaction side. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, you know, taking some behavioral assessments, getting gaining as much self-knowledge as mm -hmm. people can about themselves, what's their strengths, what their weakness, what are their passions and best find careers that meet those respective passions. Because as I say, if you can align your career, your job, to your passions. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Right. And right. I've been fortunate. I've been at this almost 40 years. Man, it's probably been over 40. I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> um, about 95, 90% of that time, it's been aligned passion. And that's huge. When I, that five or 10% where I was not aligned, 
was horrible. And I, so I can empathize with people struggling. So you have to uh, do some self-reflection for yourself, both maybe through assessments mm -hmm. and also just uh, maybe hiring a coach mm -hmm. to help guide you, guide them towards finding what their real uh, what you their know, niche is. Like. Based on my experience, a lot of people uh, would say a lot of things like, I want to follow my passion, but it seems like it's harder uh, it's easier said than done, you know, it, for some reason. Um, how how did you f find your passion that early on, you think? Well, I was four. I mean, it, it happened by chance for me. I'm very fortunate. I guess towards the end, I realized I needed to align the rest of my career around that because I wasn't getting it. But my desire to help people, my desire to train people to be successful came through my training at Beecham, through that experience I told you where I really struggled. If it weren't for someone going to bat for me and getting someone over top of me who trained me properly, who mm -hmm. knows what would happen in my life? And that goes for anything in my life, my past life in sports, where I had coaches who took an interest in me and taught me, communicated with me, aligned me to be successful, those are the people who had the biggest influences in my life. And I want to deliver the same thing to others. So it 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 kind of came natural. It kind of, I believe it's heaven sent, God, Mother Nature, whatever mm -hmm. it was, it happened, <laughs> happened mm -hmm. for me and I embraced it. I am grateful for that because those small times where I was not happy, I can empathize with people not being in a career they enjoy and, and mm -hmm. not having passion for what they do. Mm -hmm. So, Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come pleasure. up for this interview. Um, I really enjoyed it and I hope to see you again later and all the best. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.